Welcome to the podcast from Plum Creek Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. Thanks for downloading my dad. I hope as you listen, you are challenged and encouraged by his message. As you are finding your seat, if you want to take out your journey guide, that'd be great. My name's Gary. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we are excited that you are all uh, with us here at Plum Creek. If you happen to be a guest, if it's your first time, uh, we'd love to have record of your visit. So if you wouldn't mind uh, taking the journey guide card that's on the right side, just take a couple of seconds and fill that out. You can drop it in our popcorn buckets during the offering time, and you'll get a phone call from us and a letter. That's all that will, will happen, but we'd love... Uh, to have record of your visit. We try and say it every week. What's most important to us is not that if you're brand new, not that you uh, come to, to find Plum Creek to be your home, although we would love for that to happen. What's most important is that you find a church in this area where you can come on the weekend like you're doing, where you can serve and be excited about serving, and where you can get in a small group uh, with other believers and grow uh, in your walk with God, in your relationship with Him. So that's what's most important, but we're excited that you're all here. A couple of things I want to call attention to, and I'm going to start by saying uh, that this is kind of a message for uh, parents, especially of elementary age kids that might be in the service today. Uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, at least in one portion of the sermon today, some sexually oriented stuff, and so we just want to give you the heads up on that if you want to bring uh, your younger kids down to Kids Jam or Preschool or one of those uh, ministries. Just want to give you the heads up on that. Uh, fall Festival, you will see a large announcement. We've been promoting this now for the last few weeks. It's going to be at the end of the month, October 26th, Saturday, at the new building outside. It's going to be a fun, just fall festival kind of environment, and we need volunteers. So uh, if you can help with that, that would be great. Get it on your calendar. Make sure you read over all the details because we can't park there because of what we're setting up. So we're going to park at Medved. Make sure you get all of that uh, written down or, or someplace where you can remind yourself. We're also in need of a couple of, uh, of uh, shade tents, kind of the things that you would see at a festival environment. So if you own one of those and you'd be uh, willing to let us use it for that day, uh, just write tent on uh, your uh, communication card and your contact information, and we will be in touch with you. Also want to call attention to what we're calling our Welcome Experience Boot Camp. And there's a, a, an important announcement in your journey guide about that, but I actually asked Pastor Doug, even though he's not here, I asked him if by video uh, he would communicate uh, what Welcome Experience Boot Camp is all about. So let's watch. Hey, Plum Creek, good morning. Uh, this is an exciting time in the history of our church. Uh, we got our lights fully delivered last week. They're in the process of installing them. We are so close to getting into our new building, literally just weeks away. I'm so excited about what God's going to be doing as we open these doors and, in, and invite a, a new whole group of people from our community to come and to be part of uh, what we're doing at Plum Creek. We really are wanting to do something very special to help these people feel welcome. Our welcome experience is so vital to our reach to this community, so I need your help. This whole idea of helping people have a great experience to move from the street to the seat is what we want to be focusing on. Now, I need your help. We need like a hundred people who aren't volunteering in any other way to step in and to be part of this ministry. It's, it's very easy to do. There are two very specific requirements. You need to be able to smile and you need to have a willing heart. Why do we need a hundred people? We need a hundred people because we're going to have people in the parking lot. 
Uh, we're going to have people serving in the refreshment area. We're going to have folks helping at greet and to usher and at the resource table. And we want this to be something that you only have to do one time a month. And we want it to be the absolute best that it can be. So next Sunday, during the 915 service, our Welcome Experience crew is going to be having a boot camp. And we want to invite you to come. So this would be an opportunity for you to find out some more information and to help us to be poised and ready for the guests and the new people that are going to be coming to our church. So if you're not volunteering anywhere, will you join me next week at 9.15 when we get together uh, during this service to be able to talk some more about this great opportunity for you to jump in and serve and be a blessing to those folks that are going to be coming. So I'll see you next Sunday at 9.15. join us. Love to have you be a part of our Welcome Experience team. You'll even see an announcement in your journey guide about needing some help with our coffee cleanup crew. Kind of in, in uh, That's an immediate need. But regardless of whether uh, you have filled out any stuff in the, in the past, you can fill out a card today and tell us what you're interested in doing. You don't even need to do that. Just come at 9.15 uh, next Sunday and uh, we'll have signs up to which theater that meeting will be in. Well, Andy, come on up. You guys know that uh, Andy Miller is a friend of Plum Creek. He is also Pastor Doug and Pastor Emily's younger brother, and uh, we are excited to have him continue on uh, in our series today as our guest speaker. So you guys give it up for Andy Miller. What an exciting time to be a part of the Plum Creek family. Are you guys fired up to be able to move into your new home? just a few weeks away. I mean, I'd already start picking the people to invite and uh, fill that place. Um, you know, get to three or four services as quick as you can. Um, let's go ahead and uh, open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for Plum Creek Community Church, um, which is truly a lighthouse in the Castle Rock area and, and, and in the Denver area, and even beyond. And God, I pray for this church, Lord. I believe that you want to do immeasurably more than we could ever think or imagine. God, I pray for the people in this room that God, when they think about their church, that God, that they would begin to have bigger hearts than they've ever had, that they would dream bigger things, that when they walk around their neighborhoods and see people that don't know you, that God, that you would lay a heavy burden on their hearts to reach them for you so that those people can find uh, peace within their souls. And God, we do pray for today as we continue on with this series. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give all of us the courage to be able to walk out in freedom um, and have souls that are truly at peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are in the middle of a series called Soul Toxins in week one. um, Before we do that, there is a phrase that you guys have been saying. And as I say it, I want you guys to help me finish it at the end. And that is this. You are not a body with a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul. You are a soul. All right. You guys are just about as good as the eight o'clock crew. So that's impressive. Okay. Um, Week one. Doug talked about the fact that uh, we have a rested soul, and the one place that we can find rest is in God. Uh, Week two, Doug talked about the fact that God lightens heavy souls, 
and that God can provide healing from past hurts and guide our future. I would encourage you, if you missed one of those weeks, to hop on to the website um, and, and download those messages and listen to those so that you can uh, be caught up with everything that, is, um, that has been spoken in this series. Well, to introduce uh, this week's topic, I want to tell you a story. It was a cold, rainy day in the Chicagoland area. And on those cold, rainy days that usually spelled out bad things for me, being the younger brother by six years and by seven years to Matt and Doug Meller. My mom and dad and my sister had left the house, and uh, I was there with them. And they looked at each other, and they smiled. And then they looked at me, and they smiled. And that usually meant that bad things were on the way for Andy. Doug looked at me, and he posed this question. He said, Andy, have you ever ridden in a dryer? <laughs> Trying to be as smart as I possibly could, I looked back at them, and I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said, did you guys ride in dryers when you were my age? They looked at each other, and they smiled, and they looked back at me, and they said, oh, yes, we did. They said, Andy, it's the most amazing experience that anyone could ever have. It'll change your life. You need to do it. So I started walking down to the laundry room with them, and I was fired up. I was going to be able to ride in a dryer. They opened the door. I climbed in, and I was ready. They shut it. And they fired that baby up, and I started tumbling around in there. All of a sudden, the excitement turned to motion sickness. I began to feel like I was going to throw up. And the heat from the dryer started to get going just a little bit. My foot hit the door, and I was able to get out. And all of a sudden, I looked around the laundry room for them, and they were gone. All of us in this room, if you have a brother or a sister, or if you were a brother or a sister, you may have either tortured a brother or a sister, or you may have either received torture from a brother or sister. We get that idea. Well, we're talking about this idea of, of souls, and I believe that all of us in this room have experienced tortured souls in one way or another. There's uh, one big spiritual word that's called justification. And justification is this idea of, of when we come and we surrender our lives to Christ, all of a sudden we're made right. Now, I believe that there's probably some of you in this room that are having a tortured soul. You've lived your life, you've done all sorts of things, but still, your soul is tortured. It's not right. And you're here searching today. You're trying to figure out who is Jesus. You know, is it worth it to surrender my life to him? 
You've tried everything that there is that the world has to offer, and there's still this tortured soul in you. Can I tell you this? Jesus wants to bring peace to your soul. And you could do that today. You could simply surrender your heart to him. Now, the second word that I want to introduce to you is this word called sanctification. Now, once we're saved and we've surrendered our heart to Christ, what happens is everything within inside of us is just made right and we feel good. And it's literally like we just put on this huge suit. It's really big and it doesn't fit us. And what God does is he molds our hearts and our souls and he just starts to make us more and more like him. And this can be a painful process. But the reality is we're not fully fitting that suit yet. We still live in a world where there's sin. And we still make mistakes. And when we make those mistakes and we sin, our soul is tortured. And it's not at peace. The reality is this. I I would say more than anything, God brings peace to our souls. And what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through some steps or things that we can do to, to have that peace exist. Because even though sin still exists in this world, God is here. He's advancing his kingdom. He's making things right. And we can experience that today. So I would encourage you to pull out your journey guides and be ready to fill in um, some of the things uh, that we need to do in order to be able to, to, bring, to allow God to bring peace to our souls. We're going to walk down two roads. Uh, there'll be a first road and a second road, and they're going to be really easy for you to see. Now, the first thing that we need to realize in order to have peace in our soul is we need to know what tortures your soul. You need to know what tortures your soul. And go ahead and write that in. If we don't know the cause of something, we're not going to know really what to do to be able to solve it. So we've got to know what tortures your soul. You know, the, the first thing that tortures our soul, and this is the next uh, point A right underneath, if you're filling, filling in things with your journey guide, is this. It's the things you've done. The things that you have done. If you are anything like me, um, you've sinned. Okay, um, one of the things we often try to do as as people is we we weight our sins. Well, um, I didn't do this, so this doesn't seem so bad. The reality is everybody in this room has done things that are wrong. We're all in the same playing field. You know, there are times in my life where I cling to the cross more than more than any other time. I mean, I am just so thankful for God and who He is, and I love Him so much. It, but still. I struggle. We all do. We do things that we wish that we wouldn't do. We work on those things, and we try and improve those things. You know, the Apostle Paul, who planted all sorts of churches and wrote most of the New Testament, struggled with the things that he did as well. In Romans chapter 7, 15, uh, chapter 7 verse 15, it says this, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very things that I hate. We've all been there. When we do those things that we hate, our souls are tortured. It's a struggle. You know, when I think about one of the greatest areas that we within our culture are being attacked is the area of sexual purity. It's prevalent. It's everywhere. Just last night, 
was walking in with my nine-year-old in Target. And he looked up at me and he asked me this question. He said, Dad, why are there these huge pictures of women in their underwear all around? I said, why? He's like, Dad, I don't run around in my underwear. Why, why are they putting that up there? I'm so thrilled that we're having those kinds of conversations. I looked at him and I said, hey, bud, you know what? The reality is the only person that you need to be looking at in your underwear is you when you're flexing in the mirror. <laughs> he was like, I, I don't do that, Dad. <laughs> I said, you will soon. <laughs> it's everywhere. Looking at, at, at images that degrade women, it, it's everywhere. Did you realize when it comes to the industry of pornography that it makes more money than Fox, CBS, ABC, and NBC combined? Isn't that crazy? Over $20 billion a year is brought in. And if you want to know how we are doing as the United States of America... We're responsible for bringing in $10 billion to that industry. An ex-porn star said this, that most of the people that are involved in the pornography industry are addicted to drugs because their souls are tortured so much by what they're doing. There's no peace. And the only way that they can find peace is through substance abuse. Adult bookstores outnumber McDonald's by three to one. You know, the reality is, too, that when it comes to mobile devices, they're a great thing, but after analysis of more than one million hits and Google's mobile search sites, more than one in five of those searches are for pornography on mobile devices. How is this affecting our kids? Kids from the ages of 8 to, eight to 16, 90% of them have been exposed to pornography. In a 2010 national survey, over a quarter of 16 to 17-year-olds said that they were exposed to nudity online when they did not want to see it. In addition, 20% of 16-year-olds and 30% of 17-year-olds have received a sext, a sexually explicit text message. You know what? Your pastor, my brother, said, what are you doing to protect yourself? What are you doing to prevent this filth to, to capture and be a hold of your heart? And I was like, well, I've got safe eyes and all those sorts of things, you know, internet uh, protection on my computer. He said, Andy, you can shut that off. He said, why don't you take it to the next level and go to triplexchurch.com, which is an internet accountability software, and allow your wife, Heather, to receive all the websites where you go. And I said, I think that sounds like a great idea. I'm not addicted to pornography, but I know that I'm susceptible to it. I could fall. And I want to do everything that I can to be proactive to prevent that. I love my wife. And I love my kids. I don't want to screw up. So I'm going to fight hard for purity. I'm going to fight hard for my boys. The statistics say this. 
eight out of ten men are involved with pornography. Five out of ten women are involved with pornography. It's torturing your soul. It's destroying you. You don't even know it. You think it's not a big deal, but it's a huge deal. God doesn't want me to be doing that. You think that it's not going to affect you? There was two students in one of my student ministries programs that came to me and they said, hey, uh, we're struggling. Basically, our souls are being tortured. We're addicted to pornography and we can't get rid of it. Can you help us? We as a department went out and bought um, all sorts of internet safety software and everything and we gave it to the dad and to the mom and we said, you need to get that on the computer at home. They came back to us. And they said this. They said, you know what, we're still struggling with it. We said, well, have you, have, has your parents installed that on your home computer? And they're like, no. My dad refuses to do it. You know where this is headed. The dad was addicted to pornography. That addiction to pornography led to him having an affair with a woman at work, which led to a divorce, which led to those boys living in a broken home. Those are toxins. They're going to destroy you. And you need to stop. It's not worth it. When I got the topic for this message, I texted Doug. And I said, thanks. <laughs> You've given me the difficult stuff to deal with here. He said, don't worry, it won't be a problem. Just roll through it. When it comes to sexual purity in, in the public world, can I tell you, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, you know where sex should be? It should be between a man and a woman who are married. There may be some of you in here that aren't living inside of that box. It's not okay. You think you're not going to get caught? Can I tell you, the Bible says your sins will find you out. It's not only going to hurt you, but it's going to hurt your family, your friends. Sin has this effect that goes on for a long time. You can receive forgiveness, but the consequences will still be there. Other things we think about the things that we do when it comes to our finances. Are you honoring God with your finances? Or are you overspending to fill a void in your heart that can be only really filled by Him? When it comes to your relationships, are you building people up that you know or are you tearing them down? Are you lying behind their backs? Are you gossiping? If you're involved in those things, your soul is being tortured. With your physical body, are you involved in substance abuse? Are you destroying your body? Are you overeating? Have you forgotten that your body is the temple of, of the Holy Spirit? And you need to treat it right. Psalms 38 verses 3 through 4 says this, My bones have no soundness because of my sin. 
My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Is that you? It's been all of us at some point. Every single person in this room. If it is, you need to make things right. Your second fill-in on your journey guide is this. We are tortured by the lies that we believe. You know, we think oftentimes we live in this physical world um, and we function that way, but there is this spiritual world that is all around us. And um, Ephesians 6.12 talks about this world and how um, our battle is not against flesh and blood. I, I would tell you this, that the battle for peace within your soul oftentimes happens within your mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says this, We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And, and this is big, we must take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every thought. There was a, a friend at, at a church that I served at, and we had the privilege of being able to meet for a whole year. And uh, he, he told me this. He said, you know, as we began our relationship, he said, I, I, I really struggle because I believe some lies from the enemy. And I, I know that they're lies, but the reality is I believe them and I can't get over them. And he said, I would really want you just to pray for me that I would be able to get past them. And he knew that these were lies in him. He said, the first thing is this. He said, when I wake up in the morning and I look at myself in the mirror, I believe this lie that says this. God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you. He said, the second lie that I believe is this, is that um, I, I will never get married today, uh, someday uh, at any point within my life because no one would ever love me. As the, our relationship continued on, what began to happen is he began to talk about um, sexual purity issues and things that he was struggling with. And um, he began to say, you know what, the reality is it doesn't really matter. He said, God doesn't love me and there will never be anyone for me. And so wh what does it matter? We had a heart-to-heart -heart at Panera. And um, we began to yell at each other at Panera. And talk about awkward for the person next to us who's drinking their coffee and eating their muffin. Um, it got pretty heated. I looked at him and I said this. I said, you've got to stop believing the lie that God doesn't love you because he does. I said, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it's this love story, this incredible story how God came to restore our lives and our hearts. And he did it for you and he loves you. And you need to start behaving that way. I said, secondly, God very well could have somebody for you. I don't know, but you need to start living that way. If that's something that's on your heart, maybe it's there for a reason. I said, what you don't realize is that pornography is like this Mack truck, bud, and it's coming and it's going to wipe you out. All of a sudden, he started to evaluate the lies in his head that were torturing him. And he made some decisions. He, he took some action he went on a weekend and be able to find uh, with, a, with a counselor and, and be able to just get some tools to be able to handle that addiction within his life. There was improvement. He started to believe that maybe I should live in such a way where God may have somebody. If, if I am single, that's great. And if that's what God's called me to do, that's fine. But then at the same point, I need to start preparing because I think God's got somebody for me. 
And all of a sudden, uh, just about a month ago, he's engaged to be married. Anytime that you're hearing thoughts with the word you in them, you got to realize that those are probably from the enemy. Thoughts that say you're not good enough. You're not going to make it. When it comes to honoring people with your speech, not being negative. You know, and I've dealt with being negative. I'm too negative. I actually put a rubber band on my hand. And any time like a negative thought would come, like just criticism, I'd snap myself. Isn't that crazy? It's weird. But I did that. I'm weird. Sorry. But I didn't want to believe the lie that I, I can't improve on that. I'm working at it. You know, other thing when it comes to finances, um, you know, if, if you feel like you're overspending to fill that void with you, don't believe the lie that you can't get out of it because you can. Jump into a finance class. If you're involved with substance abuse, don't think that you can't get over it because you can. God can help you. Be proactive on your side. There was a, a guy in a men's group that I've been attending down in downtown Denver who was an alcoholic, and he, he just went to a pastor at the church there and said, I need help. I need to get out of this. I think God's got a better way. I'm tired of believing the lie that this is all that I could do. And the reality is there is a better way. And he's working at it, and he's improving. What the enemy wants to do is attack us within our minds and make us feel like there's no way that there could be anything better. Because he wants to destroy us. Once we know the sources of our damaged souls or our tortured soul, the next step is the solution. If you're filling in in your journey guide, go ahead and fill this in. That You need to tell your soul it's better to confess your sins than hide your sins. Tell your soul it's better to confess your sins than hide your sins. When Heather and I first got married... Um, I was that kind of guy and where you just, with your wife, you want her to feel like you're great, you know, and you're awesome. We ended up going shopping, and I'm sorry, this is a really gross illustration, but, um, and bought some yogurt, and uh, that yogurt that I ate was bad. It was really bad, and the result was even worse. I began the worst 24 hours of my life. I threw up so much. I was in the bathroom so much. And it was disgusting. I don't need to go into a lot of detail with you because you understand and know that whenever you got some kind of food poisoning thing going on, your body's like, we're getting the junk out. And that was probably a pretty accurate sound of how it sounded, okay? And I'll stop there. When it comes to sin within our lives, we need to be the same way. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. First thing we need to do is this, is we need to, and you could fill this in in your journey guide, confess to God for forgiveness. We need to do that. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I've done it. I've confessed sins to God. I've told him I'm sorry and I need his help to live the life that he's called me to live. And you know what the scary thing is? The, the deeper I go and the more that I pray and the more that I talk to him, a lot of times there's these surface things that we get involved with 
that are sins and I confess those. But he helps me to go to the root of the things that need to be corrected within my heart. And that is revealed to me through his spirit. You got to confess. You got to get it out. Talk to him. Lastly, what you need to do is this, is you need to confess to others for healing from sins. James 5, 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. When it comes to Plum Creek Community Church, I would challenge you with this. I think one of the biggest things that the church struggles with is as people come in, they find Christ, all of a sudden they feel like they've got to be perfect. The reality is you're going to be being made more into the likeness of God and he's going to be working on your heart and you're going to see it. You're going to start treating people differently. You're going to start behaving differently because of the power of the Spirit working in you. But when there's things that come up, when there's mistakes that are made, you guys as a church need to commit to this. You've got a place of prayer. When somebody goes in there, Give them a high five. They're doing the right thing. Don't look at them and wondering why they're going there. And if you're in a journey group and somebody begins to say, hey, I'm struggling with this, the right response is not, what? The right response is me too. Me too. And I'll pray with you. We can beat it. Because if we don't do that, we short-circuit the power of the gospel. The gospel is available for everybody. Jesus wants to make things right. He wants our souls not to be tortured, but to be at peace. And the choice is up to you. The marks of maturity when it comes to spirituality is not how much you know, how theologically sound that you are. The reality is it's the time span between sin and confession. You don't have to tell everyone everything, but you do need to tell someone something. Where are you at today? When you look at your life, are there things that you're doing that are torturing your soul and that you need to stop? Stop it. Be done with it. Sin may be fun for a season, but can I tell you, it will destroy you and the people that you love. Secondly, are you believing lies of the enemy? Start focusing on truth. Open up God's word. Look for the promises of God for your life. Are there things that you need to confess? Maybe stop by today. Connect with somebody. Talk to them about what's going on. And also fall on your knees before God. And tell them you're sorry and you need his forgiveness and his grace. And cling to the cross once again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you today. And God, I thank you for each person that's in this room. And God, living the life that you have given us to live can be done. Doesn't mean that we aren't going to make mistakes and we aren't going to struggle, but we can do it through the power of your Holy Spirit in us. You've given us a pathway to have a soul at peace. And I just pray today, God, 
for the people in this room, God, that they know, they know in their hearts that what they're doing is not right. And I believe through the power of your spirit, you've convicted them today. God, I pray first that you would help them to be proactive, to stop doing what they're doing. And Lord, I just pray that you won't let them sleep at night, that you'll keep them up until they make things right and get out of whatever they're involved in. And Lord, I pray for those that have been struggling with lies of the enemy. Lord, I pray that you would saturate their minds and their hearts with your truth, with your love. God, you came so that we may have life and we can experience it. We'll experience it in its fullness when you return. But God, we still can experience it now. And I pray that you'd give people in this room courage to do what they need to do to do that. God, I pray that even before they leave, that maybe they'll stop and connect with someone and have them pray with them. Receive a high five from somebody on the way out. Because God, I know that the people back there will simply look at them and say, me too. God, you have come so that our souls may have peace. And oh, Lord Jesus, give us the courage to be able to do what we need to do to experience that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andy. Hard stuff this morning, guys, but good stuff. So, Andy, thank you for sharing, sharing the hard stuff because it's good.